Everybody say shut the door. The Bible puts it this way. Give no place to the devil. Because if you don't give it to him as a Christian, he has no authority to take it. Now, we can make ourselves vulnerable to him. How many, how many intellectuals, academic, I'm not going to ask that. We don't want to make anybody feel bad. How many intellectual academics, academics, academias do we have here? Not macadamias, <laughs> academias. You watch those television shows. You only watch the WEDU uh, and, and uh, you don't, you know, you've never seen Hee Haw. How many... <laughs> How many has never seen Hee Haw? You seen it? There's a doctor on there. Do you remember his name? He played a doctor in the skits, Doc Campbell. And Doc Campbell was, you know, doctoring, and he got a call on the telephone from somebody out in a field who said, Doc, I need you to help me right now. I need you to tell me what to do. I broke my arm in two places. And Doc said, stay out of those places. (laughs) We can make ourselves vulnerable to the enemy of our soul. By being in places we ought not be, seeing things we ought not look at. How many has got a television set? You know, when I first got saved, they called it a television. Because there was, they felt like the world would gain such an influence through all of the hours that we spend in front of the tube. And that was back when I got saved, back when I was 21 years old. Can you imagine what they would say if they saw what we see today? We're exposed constantly. And it's not because we're leering and looking. It's just always going to be there. It's in the advertisements. Uh, you, you know, who would have thought that they would, they would have sexual innuendo involved in, 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 in selling toothpaste? When I, when I was growing up on television, there was beavers selling, animated beavers selling Ipana with their big beaver buck teeth. He hides his TV because he's in a, so that if they see it, they say he's compromised. Well, we need to control it. You can't put blinders on to the world about us completely and isolate yourself. You can't stay. There's places you ought not be. Just like when we were at the other church, there was an X-rated theater. Uh, uh, and people would park at our parking lot and go down to the X-rated theater. And if you want to overcome temptation, you don't belong in an X-rated theater looking at an X-rated movie. Uh, the movie uh, symbols have changed. R uh, now is not what it used to be. And what they think is okay by for 13- and 14-year-olds. And by the way, when your kids buy the ticket and get in the theater, they, they, they really don't care which show they go to once they've paid the price and get inside. So we're dealing with, with a, a tempter that's good at it, and now he's better at it than he's ever been because he has the media which is such a powerful and strong influence 
So it begins with our heart, and it begins overcoming the devil doesn't begin with putting on spiritual armor. It doesn't begin with putting on spiritual armor. Because if the atmosphere and attitude of the heart is wrong, then you won't stand on the Word, you won't apply the Word, you won't obey the Word. So the sword won't do you any good unless you have a real deep commitment in your heart to follow Jesus Christ. So I want to talk to you about overcoming temptation. You know what the Bible said in the book of James before we read from from some other places? (laughs) Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And if any man lack wisdom in this area, this particular area of trials and test and testing, that's part of temptation. What are you tempted by when you're tested? Well, I'm tempted to be so discouraged I give in and give up. I'm tempted to doubt God. I'm tempted to question God. And everybody's going to be tempted in that area. There's no one here with such perfect faith that there won't be times when you will, whether you say it or not, in attitude, you'll say, Lord, I do not get this. I don't understand this. I don't know why this is occurring after I did that and this happened to me. Why is that happening? Think it not strange. You're not unique. The fiery trial that has come to try you is some, some strange thing has happened unto you. It's common. It's, it's promised in the Word of God. We need to be prepared for what Jesus has promised, and that's tribulation. Because if we're not prepared, it's going to catch us unaware. Blessed is the man, James said, that endures temptation. For when he is tempted, not if, but when it occurs, and it will continue to occur as long as we're at home in the body. He will receive the crown of life. He will win. He will have victory. God has made a provision for you and me to overcome. Hallelujah. And he's promised to be with us all the way through this fallen world in spite of our faulty body. Can you say, man, listen to me carefully. Think it not strange, the fiery trial that has come to try you as some strange thing has happened to you. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that that you are able to bear. Who will with the temptation. He hasn't taken it from you. He's going to take you through it and show you how to overcome. Who will with the temptation make a way of escape that you might be able to bear it. I was at a pastor's uh, meeting. There was about 60 pastors there. And a pastor of a church in Lakeland, Jay Dennis, I think his name, church at the mall in Lakeland. He talked to us as ministers about the pink elephant in the room. Normally, the elephant in the room is just referring to the fact that there's something uh, that we need to discuss that we don't want to deal with, we don't want to look at, but it's too big to avoid. And the pink elephant in the room was talking about pornography. Pornography. And how many ministers, not, not just to talking about people that follow Christ, are lured into this world because it's like a drug and it's available. See, they used to park in our parking lot and go to the X-rated theater because no one would associate their car with the X-rated theater. They're probably in there counseling with the preacher. 
that's an amazing thing that we'd have eight cars in our parking lot on a weekday, and they're all down in the X-rated theater. I could have put, you know, no parking. Your cars will be impounded. But, you know, I just didn't want to have to, have to go through all of that. I just let the Lord handle it and, and uh, uh, say, Lord, just, uh, just catch them. Let their wife catch them. Let somebody catch them that can make a difference. Heard of the man at the mall that a lady and a tall lady in a skin-tight dress came walking by in high heels and... and uh, he watched her. The wife was looking at something in a window, and he just stopped and watched her come and watched her go. His wife just looked around at him and caught him and said, I hope it was worth it. I hope it was worth it. And you men know what I'm talking about. Amen. We, particularly men, are stimulated by the eye. That puts a responsibility on you ladies a lot. We're stimulated by the eye. But by the way, you ladies have a stimulation by the eye. It may not be particularly sexual. It might be something in a store window that we know we can't afford. Like Geraldine. They bought the $1,500 dress and come home and tried to explain it and said what a lot of people feel like that we can shift the responsibility of the blame. Said the devil made me do it and of course the husband says well why did you listen to him he said well i resisted him and then he pulled a gun he made me do it he forced me to do it let me tell you something about temptation the devil doesn't force anyone he can't he has that particularly as a christian he doesn't have the authority to force you he has to tempt you and you have to take the bait. The Bible went on in the book of James. You can read the whole book of James if you're interested in overcoming. It's all over the Bible, but particularly in that book. God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempteth he any man. But every man is, and woman is tempted when they are led away of their own lust. Something that's intrinsic to us that's in everybody in this room. There's no one so sanctified that we don't have to shut the door. Can you say, man? Nobody. Nobody on television. The Pope at Rome is not so sanctified that he don't have to shut the door. Mother Teresa had to shut the door. She couldn't overcome without shutting the door. You can't overcome without shutting the door. That's why preachers who don't shut the door that give place to the devil get overcome. And we need to know what the door is. We need to understand Satan's devices. Paul said, we would have come to you sooner, but Satan hath hindered us. But we're coming. And whoever you forgive... We just go on and jump on that wagon and forgive too. We want to make sure that the devil doesn't get a wedge that he can use to claim his ground within us. Amen? We want to make sure that the devil doesn't get an advantage of us. For we are what? We're not ignorant of his devices. Amen? This ignorance of his devices... Listen, the world... The flesh and the devil is the three great giants that we have to slay to overcome and walk in victory. 
And the world is not the earth. I thought about all the pictures that Mike is sending us right now. Beautiful pictures of Niagara Falls. Even from the Canadian side, it's more beautiful than it is from the American side. And I've never been to Niagara Falls, but, but he's sending us pictures that make me want to go. And I probably won't ever go because I'm a southern boy. And that's way up north. Amen. <laughs> no, I'd go north. I'd... Don't go to Buffalo in the winter. Don't worry. Amen. Unless God sends me, I'm not going to be in Buffalo in the winter. That's where it's at, Buffalo area. Breeze is over. Looks beautiful. Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he's tried, he shall receive the crown of life. Count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. In that sense of temptation, it's not the temptation to give in to something you absolutely know is wrong to lavish on your flesh, but it was the persecutions and testings. It takes two different avenues to define temptation. One is the temptation to do what our flesh wants and what our flesh knows is wrong, but the flesh wants to be gratified and we are tempted by something. The other is when persecutions come and tribulation and pressure and things go wrong and we wonder, is God really faithful? Does God really love me? That's a temptation to doubt Him, to question Him. And everybody's going to have those doubts. Doubt is not unbelief. That's why Jesus said on the boat, Wherefore didst thou doubt? Can you say, man? Let me tell you how, what doubt looks like. It, it's, it's not saying I refuse to believe. I, I just cannot believe. It means I'm having a problem believing. And a man came to Jesus and his son was possessed by a spirit and off cast him into the fire. He tried to kill himself by if he saw a fire, he'd run over and try to get in it. And so the disciples, he brought him to the disciples of Jesus. And they tried to cast the Spirit out and failed. Because you've got to do more than just hang out with Jesus. You've got to know that you have spiritual authority. And you've got to know how to use it. Amen? And they found out they couldn't do anything. So he bypassed them. He wouldn't give up. Don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. Don't give up on God because God will not give up on you. And the devil knows God won't give up on you because he loved you enough to give his son. The son loved you enough to stay on the cross. Believe me, God is invested in you. God is for you. He's not against you. Can you say, man, even if He chastens you, it's a token of His love and proves that He's for you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So don't question Him. Don't doubt Him. That's part of temptation. Blessed is the man that endures all of this. For when he is tried, he will receive the crown of life. But it takes a devotion. It takes a devotion. It takes a devotion. And we need to know the doors to shut because we can't help being tempted. Tempted, being tempted doesn't prove that you are evil. It proves that you are human. Everybody's going to be tempted. And when people get to the point of spiritual strength that they feel, I'm above this, I'm, I'm beyond that. 
That's the person who's in the most danger. Not the person acknowledging, I need God's grace. I need God's help. I need instruction from the Word. I need my armor on. I need to be alert, sober, and vigilant. No, it's the person who is self-confident, self-assured. I'm beyond any of those things. When a man says, behold, I stand. That's the man. That's the man that's going to get into trouble. That's the person. That's why many preachers that put themselves in such, well, they let people help them to put themselves on such a pedestal. That person will never fall. That person could never have a problem with temptation. And if they did have it, they would never give in to it. If that person isn't humble enough to tell somebody close to them that they need help when they feel themselves slipping, they're going to be in trouble. James Robinson said very clearly, he said, I had a problem and it was with lust. It was with sexual temptation. This is his testimony. I'm not letting the cat out of the bag. There ain't no bag. There ain't no cat. This is something he wanted everybody to know. And in almost every service where he gave his testimony, men Ministers and men came to be set free, to be prayed for, to be set free. And it's not just the anointing. You can't just not deal with something in your heart and have someone lay hands on you and deliver you from something. It doesn't start with the hands being laid on. It starts with something that occurs in the heart. So he wrestled with it. He said, and actually, he preached to, he held more meetings than Billy Graham when he, was, when he was going holding crusades. Billy Graham does it every few months in different nations, whereas he did it almost weekly. So he wasn't stopping to drink in. He was always pouring out. And without realizing it, you can begin to weaken and give in. And I'm going to tell you something else. When you're that busy for the Lord, you're probably not staying close enough to your wife. Amen. When PTL fell, Jim Baker's wife said PTL became his mistress. Well, listen, if ministry becomes your mistress, something's terribly out of balance. The Bible tells us as married men, married men, and it's harder for a single man, but married men. Here's the only time. And married women don't defraud one another of intimacy. Don't use it as a weapon. Don't refuse it to your mate. I'm getting down home here today. Talking about overcoming temptation. And God understands us. God understands us. It's a beautiful thing about God. He doesn't look at us. You're dirty. You're nasty. No, no. You're in a faulty body in a fallen world. And I love you. And I want to keep you even in the midst of that fallen world. And sanctify you. Praise God. Defraud not one another. Don't use sex as a weapon. Of course, a lot of people do. I'm mad at you. So I don't want to be intimate with you. Well, you're not supposed to let the sun go down on that anger. Can you say man? So we're already out of kilter. We're already open to dope. Why did he say defraud not one another except in mutually agreed times? For prayer and fasting. And then immediately afterwards, 
come together. Listen. Lest you be tempted. Lest you be tempted. Lest you... He knows. God knows. God knows. God understands. We don't have a high priest that isn't touched with the feeling of our infirmities, our weaknesses, our needs, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. And the Bible said because He came and become incarnate and He became flesh, He understands our flesh. And He understands our temptations. And He knows how to deliver the righteous. And to reserve the wicked unto judgment. Make no mistake about it. God has the answer for you. And God has the answer for me today. And it begins when I am honest and open and sincere before Him. So James wrestled with this, but he didn't tell anybody because he's a spiritual leader. He said, I would be in a service and people would be coming to Christ and my eye would go to a lady sitting on the front row, a very beautiful lady. And then I would go and the devil would beat me over the head and my conscience would beat me over the head and said, there you are preaching to others and you're looking lustfully. You know what the Bible said about that look and as far as God is concerned? He was telling the legalists that you need to repent. (laughs) Because they said, thou shalt not commit adultery. And they thought if nobody finds out, we're home free. That's what they were thinking. That's why they were so quick to pick up stones to kill that woman. Amen. Double standard. Till Jesus wrote on the ground. And they dropped all of those stones. But he said to look Upon a woman. To lust after her. Not to look and say, you know, if I keep looking. If I keep looking. Remember David? Remember David, the giant killer? David, the sweet psalmist of Israel? He watched a young woman bathe. Now I've heard people say she should have been more discreet. She shouldn't have been outside bathing. Well, she was probably in her own backyard, wherever it was. And he was the peeping David. And he had the opportunity to turn away. Job knew where the eye will take you. Job knew where the eye will take you. Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look upon a maid. Somebody said it one time, isn't it a biblical thing that that you can't keep birds from flying over your head can't do a thing about the fact that you're going to be exposed to certain things some things you can stay out of those places but other things you can't you can't keep birds from flying over your head but you can show keep them from making a nest in your hair can you say amen amen let me read this scripture and finish all of this I can't finish it, but just come to a conclusion. 1 John 2, 15-17 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Don't ever try to put on spiritual armor to defeat the devil and build your faith until you deal with where your heart is between you and God. If you love this world... 
I'm going to tell you right now. Number one, you can't use the word against the devil because you can't apply the word to yourself. If you're not obedient to the word, he will laugh in your face when you quote it to him. Ask the seven sons of Sceva. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If a man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, three doors, say it with me, three doors. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And by the way, all of those passions are intrinsic and resident in my flesh and yours. And every preacher that's ever preached or ever will preach. I'm going to tell you something today that may shock you and rock you. These passions were in Jesus. Because He was in one of these. He took on flesh. He couldn't be tempted, yet the Bible said He was tempted. The difference between Him and us, we sin sometimes and need to repent, and He never sinned. But He felt the pull of it. He felt the pull of it. He felt the pull of it. We don't have a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points. I want to explain that clearly. Tempted as we are yet without sin. Was Christ tempted to strangle to death some little girl? No. That's not what that's saying. Was he tempted to go out and murder somebody out of malice? No. See, all of that sin, all of that terrible junk, all of that horrendous, heinous crimes that are occurring has to come through one of these three avenues. The door that opened initially wasn't a murder door a rape door, a kill door. It was the lust of the eyes, unchecked. The lust of the flesh, unchecked. The pride of life, unchecked. What happens when you open three doors to Satan? You'll become just like your father. And if you want to wonder what's going on, the psychologist can't figure it out. The sociologist can't figure it out. The psychiatrist can't figure it out. They're scratching their head. What is going wrong? What happens when a woman kills her two daughters to spite her husband in Texas? Claimed to be of a Christian background went off the rails. That maybe she'll plead insanity, but something had to drive her to that insanity. Can you say, man? Because and it took something pretty strong when a mother will kill in front of her husband. Two teen, that happened last week. Two beautiful teenage daughters shoot them to death and was emptied the gun and loaded it and was going to shoot them some more. And the police told her to drop it, and they, she wouldn't drop it, so they had to kill her. What possesses a woman to go in and stab her four children to death last week? Was Jesus tempted to do something? Is the all points covering that? No, it's these three crucial, critical areas. All that's in the world, everything, this world system that's, by the way, Satan 
is the ruler of the world system. That's why it's diametrically opposed to God's kingdom. He's called because of man's surrender to Him and disobeying God and obeying Him. Something spiritual happened in the book of Genesis. And it's explained in Romans 6 and verse 16. Whoever you and I yield my members, if I keep giving in to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, I am bowing to Satan. Make no mistake about it. I'm making a spiritual commitment. And the day that I do, whoever you yield your members, in other words, he prompts me, I do it. He prompts me, and I do it. You're of your father, the devil, and his work you will do. Whoever you yield your members' servants to obey, and by the way, servant is a weak word in the King James. In the actual Greek, it would be slave. That's why sin enslaves. And that's why when you commit to Christ, you become a bond slave of Jesus, but it doesn't restrict you. It sets you free to serve Him. Can you say, man, it's a different attitude. Hallelujah. It sets you free to serve Him. Sets you free to serve Him. Hallelujah. Praise God. Was Jesus tempted to strangle and murder a child? Never. But was He, did He have, was He tempted by the lust of the eyes? Was He tempted by the lust of the flesh? Yes, He was. When He said all points, He said this is where it all comes from. There's three doors, and Satan is in charge of the system. And we argue not against flesh and blood, but powers, principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places, and here it comes, the rulers of the darkness of this world, this fallen world. That's why you can't love it. You can't accommodate it. You can't let it influence you. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Because to lo- the love of the Father can't simultaneously dwell in you in a world that is absolutely at war with Him. Love not the world. Satan wants your affections. Make no mistake about it. Say Colossians 3, 1, 2, and 4. If you... Be risen with Christ. Seek those things that are above where Christ sits on the right hand. Why did He say that? Why did He say that? Hallelujah. Because where your treasure is, where your treasure is, come on, if you're trying to keep up with the Joneses and be like the Jameses, your treasure's not in heaven. You need to forget about them. Pity the man. That owns all the world and doesn't know the pearl of great price. Hallelujah. Don't envy the world, my son. The proverb said, go not after him, them that follow it. Listen to me carefully. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life is of the world. Satan is using the world system as the ruler of the darkness of this world as a, to get those doors open. And once those doors open unchecked, then His works people do. Animals. Animals don't do what people are doing to one another. There was a man went off his nut on the news. He picked up a big piece of pipe and began to hit people, anybody in the vicinity, to try to kill them with a pipe. No reason. No provocation. 
they had it on camera this week. And I, I'm looking, I'm saying, Lord, this is, we, we have pushed the light back. Open the door for the darkness where every commercial is stimulating the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And what's going to happen when we open the door to the devil and we give him place? Then you, listen, that's what happened in Genesis. God said, don't do it. And the devil said, do it. And they quit listening to God and gave in to the devil. And the moment they did, something spiritual occurred. Whoever, and it's in Romans 6.16 so we can understand it. They changed gods. They made a god out of one who was no god and denied the god who is God. Can you say, man, whoever you yield, your servant, your member, servants to obey, slaves to obey, his slave you are. Whether God unto righteousness or sin unto death. Aren't you glad Jesus came to break the curse? Aren't you glad He came to set the captive free? And to set at liberty those that sin has bruised. Hallelujah. Praise God. And to declare, the, to preach the gospel to the poor, the poor in spirit, for they shall see God. Hallelujah. And to declare the acceptable year of the Lord. You look in your... Bible and, and it will point you to the year of Jubilee in the Old Testament when bond slaves that had worked out their allotted time every seven years, no matter how much they owed, they'd been with you seven years, you got to clear their debt, you got to give them some money to get a new start on, and they come running out and saying, way before Martin Luther King came along, saying, free at last, free at last. I'll tell you, if some of us had all of our financial debts cleared, I'd be singing it. When my dad was caregiver to my dad, I quit work so I could take care of him. <laughs> Boy, woo, free at last. Free at last. Great gosh almighty. I'm free at last. But you know what some of them did? And that's what Paul wanted to bring our attention to. You know what some of them did? They were free to go. But the master they served did not abuse them, treated them just like one of the family, loved them like one of the family, was so sweet and so kind and so generous. They said, I wouldn't want to work for anybody but him. And I, I, don't, I don't know about this commitment, but the Bible said they took a wooden mallet and all. They went over to the doorpost of the man's house. They took a nail. I have never wanted. It's okay if you got pierced ears. I, I, you know, one time we had a guy in our church, and he had a little diamond thing in his ear, and you know, I, I, I don't know about the great big things that leave big holes, but if, you know, I don't know about piercing your tongue and other. I, it just gets kind of crazy. Piercing does, but just the thought. You say, well, Brother Bible, they'll numb it and they'll put ice on it. I don't care. Don't come at me with a needle. Don't come at me with a needle. I won't be there when you get there if you come at me with a needle. But he would go to the doorpost. He'd go to the doorpost and take the nail and put that. It's probably a little nail. And he'd pierce his ear to the doorpost and then pull it out. That's amazing. To show what? This person. I'm not doing this because I have a debt anymore. I'm doing it because I can't think 
of a master worth serving out of free will and out of my heart than this generous man right here. And if he'll let me stay and work for him, I ain't going nowhere. I got 401k. I got two months vacation out of the year. He pays me way, he pays me two-time minimum wage. He brings me in at Thanksgiving. I sit at his table with his family. (laughs) He's kind of adopted me. And I ain't going nowhere. And that's the word in the New Testament, doulos. Doulos. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, the word is doulos. It is the word that our media minister has adopted as a servant of the Lord. Amen. (laughs) To, To serve the Lord with the media. Doulos is his little code name. Hallelujah. It's his email name. And it means a bond servant. It means a slave. But not in the negative sense of being forced to do something. But doing something because we love and we want to do it. And it's a privilege and it's an honor and it's a pleasure and it's a joy. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going past time, but there is no time, so I couldn't be too far past it. Listen to the three doors. Everybody say, lust of the flesh. A passion to do or experience. Your flesh wants what God has forbidden many times. That's why in the last days, men will be opening that door so wide, they will be lovers of pleasure. More than lovers of God. Money itself is not evil. It's the love of money. It's what it can do for you. Amen. It's the things you can buy with it. It's the prestige that it can give you. Listen to it carefully. So let's look at Matthew 4, 3 through 10. Listen to this. This is Jesus. The Bible said that he was driven. He couldn't go anywhere else. After he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was driven into the wilderness. The Spirit of God just hemmed him in and said, that's where you go next. Nowhere else. Don't heal the sick. Don't minister till you pass this test. Pass it in your flesh. Did I give Matthew? Is it in that? Let me see. Let me see what I said because I. Matthew 4, 3 through 10, is that where it is? Okay. And the tempter came to him and said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones be made bread. All right. Say this with me lust of the flesh, passion to experience. Lust of the eyes, passion to have. Pride of life, passion to be. Do you have that kind of. Understood, the flesh wants to experience it. The eyes want to have it. That's where the temptation comes. And the pride of life, you want to be that big shot. You want to be that movie star. You want to be, through your wealth or your talents, that person that everybody looks up to. It's called the pride of life. And God resists the proud. But He gives grace to the humble. But listen to it in Jesus' life. And the tempter came to him and he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. And what did it say about Jesus after 40 days? It said, And he was hungry. 
So he, he's going to come when you're at your weakest. When there's already something in you that he knows is there. You're hungry? I'm not going to tempt you with something else first. I'm going to tempt you with something you already want. Just go ahead and work arbitrarily. Go ahead and do something your father didn't tell you to do to satisfy your hunger, your flesh. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him to the holy city. Sit him on a pinnacle of the temple, said to him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He will give His angels charge over thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest thou dash thy foot upon a stone. Everybody say the pride of life. He said, and the Bible also said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. I don't have to prove God by jumping off of here. And then everybody see me coming off of the temple and angels coming to deliver me. No, that's not the plan of God. That would be a personal thing that Jesus would do to prove to the devil who he was. And he knew who he was, so he didn't have to prove to the devil anything. But he was tempted with the pride of life. Everybody will worship you if they see angels around you holding you up. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh. Listen to the lust of the eyes. And the devil lost because he used the word against him. And he obeyed the word and was committed to the word. And the devil taketh him up to an exceeding high mountain and showed him. What do you think this is? Showed him the lust of the eyes, the passion to have. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And said unto him, all these things will I give thee if you fall down and worship me. And Jesus said, get thee hence, Satan. For it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. But he showed him. And in those three doors, Jesus was tempted in all points. Because every other sin that man could imagine or commit began with three open doors that they did not shut and bar. Amen? Amen. If, you don't, if you don't deal with the lust of the eyes, if you don't deal with the lust of the flesh, and if you don't deal with the pride of life, there's no limit to what you're capable of doing. There are people sitting in prison today, and they don't, they, the psychologists want to pick their brain. They want to know why did you go in to steal and decide to kill that whole family. Knowing if you got caught, you'd get the death sentence or never see daylight again. What possessed you to have to do that to them? And they're sitting there saying, I don't know. And they try to blame drugs. I was on alcohol. Honey, there's a whole lot of people drink alcohol that don't kill families. There's a whole lot of people that do drugs that don't hurt people. But when these doors are opened, the devil literally can enslave you. And when he becomes your daddy, your father, the works of your father. And what is he? He's a murderer from the beginning. He's a liar from the beginning. The thief came to steal. He came to kill. And he came to destroy, hence the name Apollyon. He's a destroyer. 
Amen. He's like a roaring lion who walketh about, ravenous, hungry, looking for whom he may devour. Can you say amen? I heard a preacher one time and he said, you know something? Every time I took a trip, every time I took a trip, an evangelistic trip to preach, one of my kids gets sick, my wife would call me, I'd interrupt the revival and have to go home. He said it never failed. And he said, fine. And he just did it in a practical way. You can find your own way, but you've got to shut the door on the devil somewhere. He said, you know, he said, I flew back home for the third time. Interrupted a revival. And I said, kids, come on. Get a hold of daddy. Put your hand in each other's belt loop or pocket. Get a hold of daddy. They got a hold of daddy. He said he had four kids. And he got his four kids. Started walking around the perimeter of his property. Got them all hooked up. Now this is not theology. This is just his way of expressing his faith. And his power over Satan. His victory in Jesus. He said we're going to have a train here. We're going, and he said, he said he started like this. He said come on kids. And they're all hooked up. Holding on to each other. And he said he went around the perimeter of his whole yard just inside the fence and said, I put the blood, I put the blood, I put the blood. Now you say, Brother Bum, that's stupid and childish. There ain't nothing stupid and childish about pleading the blood of Jesus Christ. Can you say, man? There's a lot of theologians don't believe it's not biblical. I believe when we plead the blood, we plead the merits of his finished work on the cross. And the Bible said the enemy, Comes in like a flood, but the Spirit of the Lord has raised up a standard against him. And that standard, and the next verse says, and a Redeemer shall come to Zion. That standard is Jesus, and not just Jesus coming to the world, but Jesus going to the cross and being raised from the dead. Hallelujah. And I laid my glasses somewhere, and if you'll tell me where, we'll finish this sermon. (laughs) Let's go to Genesis 3 and verse 6. Did Jesus see three things? Did Satan use three things? Lust of the eyes, he showed him the kingdoms of the world. The lust of the flesh command these stones be made bread and he was so hungry after 40 days of fasting but he shut the door he shut the door and how did he shut it by the word of God that he was committed to obey in the volume of the book it is written in the volume of the book I came to do thy will O God see it's your commitment to the word that makes the word such a powerful sword against the enemy hallelujah and he shut the door I said he shut the door. And the devil went away. That day, that day, on that circumstance, the Bible said the devil didn't tempt him anymore. You know why he didn't tempt him anymore? Because he was cut three times with the sword of the Spirit. Can you say that? Hallelujah. 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 Look at Genesis. See, he hasn't changed it. It works so well. So many people are leaving one or all three of the doors open. It's working so well. Why change it? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. It didn't work on Jesus, but it worked on Adam. Actually, it worked on Eve. 
And she worked on Adam. You better hush. Looking for a date. It's going to be hard to find. We love you, ladies. When he came to Eve, according to Genesis 3, 6, it said, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food. What is that? Lust of the flesh. When she saw that it was good for food, that's a particular thing. And was pleasant to the eyes. How much more clear? Lust of the eyes. A beautiful tree. It didn't look like it was evil and something bad would happen. Satan never shows you the end result of sin. He never does that. She saw it was good for food. They say apple because they visualize. It didn't say what kind of tree, but whatever it was, the fruit of it was good for food. It looked like it was so tasty. And that it was pleasant to the eyes. The tree itself was not gnarly and evil looking. It was beautiful to look upon. And a tree to be desired to make one wise. The pride of life. Three doors. The life of Eve. Three doors in the life of Christ. And that's why the Bible tells us, love not the world. Because if you start loving the world, you'll open these doors to the world. And the world is going to show you things and tell you that if you experience that, it's like the guy that has this beautiful family and goes out and commits adultery on a beautiful wife and has a wonderful job. And you're saying, what in the world, literally, was he thinking? Honey, he opened those doors. And the devil will tell you, you, you can't be happy with that same woman. You can't live joyfully, as the Bible said, with the wife of your youth. But that woman right there, she can fulfill you. Back in 1980, I was at a Jesus meeting because I was a Jesus freak preacher. And I had a bunch of hippies that had just got saved coming to church. And I went to one of those Jesus things up in Orlando where everybody camped out in tents. And me and my son slept in tents. And I'm going to tell you something. Amen. My idea of camping is camping out at the Holiday Inn and, and, and fishing at Long John Silver's. That's where I'm most comfortable. That's my roughing it. But we roughed it. But we got up and there was a there was a straight talking preacher up there and he was telling about a preacher he was talking about overcoming temptation. He talked about a preacher a friend of his that had left his wife of forty five year marriage, left his ministry, lost his ministry to get a woman twenty five years old, twenty years his junior, and he cornered him and he said, Man. You've been following God. You've been preaching the gospel. You've got a wonderful wife that has stood with you when times were tough. And yet here you are with this, this 25-year-old girl could be your daughter. And said, the guy looked back, see, once you open these doors, you get crazy. You can't see. The devil will blind you and then he will bind you. And he said, that guy told him, well, she fulfills me. Now, he's a straight-talking preacher, so you know what he said back to all these young people? 
He said, I looked him in the eye and said, El Toro Poo Poo. You know what he said to him? He told him straight out. You didn't leave your wife because this woman fulfilled you. You're not looking for a life and a family out of this. This is nothing more than the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh. And when you walk around with this trophy wife on your arm, pride of life. Looky here, I'm 45 and I got this foxy lady right by my side. I'm going to tell you something. Amen. The devil said it ain't broke. Man keeps opening the door. He just keeps on opening the door. He just keeps on opening the door. It worked on Eve and Adam in the garden. It didn't work on Jesus in the wilderness. Can you say man? And you know what Jesus proved by going up there and being tempted? He proved that we can shut the door. He didn't, oh, let me tell you this and then i got to go. I know you want to stay longer. I'm so sorry. But I have to get home. Amen. Listen to me carefully. Listen to me. Get this. If you don't get nothing, get a hold of this. Can you say, man, this is important. We've had a good time today. But the flesh is weak. And the flesh is deceptive and it's never more deadly than it plays possum and acts like that it's not stimulated by these, the lust of the flesh, the eye. Listen, the whole world and everything it's in it is designed to stimulate that in our flesh. And it is in our flesh. And the wonderful thing to me about Jesus being tempted, you say, well, He was God. He was God incarnate. He was God in the flesh. And He did not use His divinity. He defeated the devil in his humanity. Because he didn't say, as God, get away from me. He said, as a human being, it. Oh, give me my sword. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Taking the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It is written. I'm not saying my flesh don't want it. But it is written. Hallelujah. I'm not saying that it doesn't appeal to my flesh. But it is written. And I am committed to the God who wrote it. Can you say man? Hallelujah. 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 And the Bible said, and the devil left him and tempted him no more that day. Woo! Shut the door. I want that, but God's word forbids it. Shut the door. It is written. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Reckon your flesh. Count it as dead to sin, but alive to God. Can you say, man, shut the door? James Robinson had to shut a door because the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh, because along with this comes imagination. We're to cast down imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And James, mainly in the Baptist, Baptist League at that time, looked for a brother 
from a Pentecostal background to pray with him. And he said to a brother, spirit-filled brother, according to his testimony, he opened up and said, this is my problem, and I want victory over it. And the guy prayed with him, and God showed him how. Now that he had that anointing, that yoke. See, you become enslaved to something. You need something to set you free from it. And the anointing does what to the yoke? It breaks it. Hallelujah. Praise God. It breaks the yoke. And he said he prayed for me. And I committed myself that I am going. I am going. I am going. Praise God to serve the Lord with everything I am. And the devil is not going to win this over me. And said God set me free. Hallelujah. He was able to shut that door. He committed himself deeper to follow Christ. Preaching wasn't enough. Amen. Praying in and of himself wasn't enough, but when he showed the humility and sincerity of, conf- what the Bible say, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you might be healed. Don't hold it in. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He said, God set me free. And he said, every time I share that testimony in a meeting, with ministers, several of them will come forward and say, I've been having the same problem, but I want victory over it. And they kneel before God. And when you get real with God, you can get right with God. Because when you will to do the right thing, He'll give you the holy heavenly resources beginning with His Word. That's why David said, the way I'm going to close these doors that got me in such trouble with the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life, he said, Thy Word I've hid in my heart lest I sin against you. It was the same principle, wasn't it? It was the Word of God bowed to, believed, <laughs> hallelujah, and, and even spoken out loud. There's something about speaking out loud. Sometimes I, breathe, I read the Bible out loud so loud, not only can my spirit hear it, but the devil can hear it. Amen. I just read it. It is written out loud. Hallelujah. When I first got saved, I had a hang-up. Something in the area of sanctification hadn't occurred. And by the way, this is an ongoing progressive thing. But I had a hang-up. Anybody in here have any hang-ups after you got saved? I had some hang-ups. I I was kind of like when Pat Boone's daughter married a Christian guy that just become a Christian. He said, I was so glad people were gracious and patient with me and gave me the opportunity to grow in Christ. He's a very dedicated man today. But when she first married him, he said, there's two things I knew. One thing I knew, I was in the body of Christ because I really did give my heart to Jesus. But I had so many hang-ups, I was the armpit of the body of Christ. (laughs) And isn't it good today that he's... He's a dedicated man of God serving the Lord with a Christian home and a Christian family. When we get to the point that we're willing to say, Lord, I want this door closed. It is written. I had that hang up and I just got desperate. 
And I didn't know a lot of scripture. But I just cried out to God. I remember driving in my car. And out of nowhere. See when I was serving the devil. I went out looking for sin. When I came to Christ. The devil became very aggressive. In temptations. Sin came looking for me. And I'm going to tell you. This is in my life. I had more opportunities to sin. Those sins that I loved before I came to Jesus. My flesh indulged. How many were lost before you got saved? I don't want to hear about it. It's too ugly. Tell me about it. No, I don't want to know about it. I want to know you now. Oh, by the way, you don't want everybody to know. Amen? Can I get an amen? You do not want everybody to know. I served the devil well, let's put it that way. I was a good servant of the devil when I served him. But I don't serve him no more. But I was desperate. And I felt that pull and I thought, and the devil will tell you, nobody will see and nobody will know. Well, number one, God will see. Number two, God will know. And number three, my conscience. When I go to pray and I need my faith... And my trust and my confidence, if our heart condemn us not, the devil knows what's going to happen. we got confidence toward God. Can you say amen? And I thought, but I, I want it. Why do I still want that and want to go in lust of the flesh? wouldn't be a temptation if you didn't want it. You've got to find something you want to tempt you. And every man is tempted when he's what? Led away of his own lust and enticed. Lust conceived. So you've got to nip it in the bud. Lust conceived bringeth forth sin. And then the sin brings forth death. Before we get to that point, that's where we've got to interrupt the cycle. But it is written. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I just hollered. I remember by myself in the car, I hollered, Lord, I love you. Just my own simplistic way of trying to deal with it. Lord, I love you. And Lord, sounds like a contradiction because I was being pulled, which meant my flesh wanted to go that way. I said, Lord, I don't want sin. I want you. And Satan, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I'm going to tell you something about the name of Jesus. And when your will is to be free and your will is to be right with God and your will is really to overcome, God will help you with your weak flesh. Can you say man? And the devil will have to back off. He'll have to back off. He'll have to back off. Hallelujah. And I found out there's power. In the name of Jesus. And there's power when you express to God your will. Not the will of your old flesh. But the will of your new spirit. Can you say man? Have you got anything out of this service today? Shut the door. Keep out the devil. Shut the door. Leave the devil in the night. Shut the door. Light the candle. Everything will be alright. If we walk in the light as he's in the light. The blood of Jesus will have a continuous cleansing effect. Hallelujah. That's called sanctification. That's when the call out really do come out. Praise God. Amen. Will you stand to your feet today?
the Lord is so good. He is so gracious. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We talked about breaking yokes. Let's see if we can do that in closing today. Pray for us this week. Uh, We've got things to settle and things to... I asked for wisdom. Some of the people asked me how to pray, and I said, I want the wisdom that God gives, the God kind. The wisdom of the earth is earthy. The Bible said it's sensual, and it's devilish. It opens the door. For where there is jealousy and strife, there is confusion, and because... That door is open. There's every evil work. That means the devil gets in it and causes confusion. God is not the author. Never of confusion, but of peace. So I asked folks, I said, pray for the wisdom in me that comes from above. That is first pure, then peaceable than easy to be entreated. I want to be able to hear the Lord and obey God. Hallelujah. And I believe that He, well, I know some things to do. I need the wisdom of how to do it. And I'm looking to God for it. And ask for your prayers today for me and my family as I pray for you and your family. How many want to shut the door? How many want to pray effectively? How many want to be an authentic Christian, an upstream Christian in a downstream world? Praise God. Hallelujah. I believe we can shut the door. I believe we can overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. And I believe we can follow Jesus in these last days. I've got to tell you one more thing. We're so late anyway. I went to buy cookies for my wife. There's a store called the Buttercream Bakery. And they bake a special cookie called Ambies. I don't know if it's named after a daughter or what, but they are so good. Ambies. And they keep running out of them. My wife calls and makes appointments and says, put them back, put them back. My husband's coming to get them. Well, I went in to get the Ambies, and the lady there is a Christian, her husband that runs it. She's a Christian. I don't know what brand of Christian. I just know she's talking about God and talking about prayer. And, and she, she was broken. She said, you know, they just robbed the, the Walmart. They robbed the, right across from the substation for the sheriff's department. And the Walmart is the Money Mart thing. And they robbed the Money Mart in broad daylight across from the sheriff's substation. And the law come chasing them down by their restaurant. And they had a, on a cell phone, a car picked them up out at the road and took them off. And the people are crazy today. She's talking about the crazy time. She talked about the political mess, mire that we're in. The future don't look great if we just look at all of that stuff. All the murders and the stuff I've been telling you about of people killing their kids and all this craziness and ISIS and everything else. Crisis everywhere you turn. And I'm standing there listening and I understand. I get it and I feel it too. But I felt God in there. I felt God at that counter as much as I feel God when I walk behind this pulpit. And I felt the Holy Spirit come on me. And, and I said, ma'am, I know, I get it, I understand, but could it be, could it be, is it possible that we, people that know God and know how to pray,
that we are in the kingdom for such a time as this. Could it be that you and I, ma'am, are in the... I felt the unction. I felt goosebumps on my goosebumps. My liver did shiver. Can you say, man, we are in the kingdom. We are here for this kind of situation and circumstance. God has honored us. Oh, he crept us. Can you say, man, entrusted us? I said, woman. I said, you are a woman of prayer, right? She said, yes, sir, I am. I said, well, I'm a man of prayer. And if my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray. I said, when it feels, when it looks hopeless, and when we feel helpless, we have a God who is still on the throne. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. Who said call on me in the time of trouble I will deliver you and thou shalt glorify me can you say man hallelujah Woo! when I got home I told my wife I said honey I don't know what's going to happen at church Sunday but I know what happened in the buttercream bakery two of us on earth came into something the devil hates spiritual agreement on one thing hallelujah 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 and what if two more of us do that and two more of us do that and some more of us do that one of you shall chase a thousand a triple standard cord cannot be easily broken. Can you say, man? Two of you, it takes agreement, but two of you in agreement can put a thousand to flight. Hallelujah. One of you can put a thousand, but when you put somebody with you, it multiplies to ten thousand. Two of you, ten thousand. They will come out against you one way. Satan is unified over in his system. We need to get unified over in our system. Can you say, man, they'll come out against you one way, but they'll flee before you. God's perfect number for complete and perfect victory. They will flee before you seven ways. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is victory over the world. There is victory over the flesh. There is victory over the devil. You know what God is doing? He's raising an army, a spiritual army up. And I don't know, maybe revival will start in the buttercream bakery. And if it does, I'll get free ambies. Can you say amen? God is so good today. Hallelujah. This is not a Pentecostal message. This is for the church. This is for the Christian. Hallelujah. It's time the tags dropped and the revival came. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Let's give God praise before we leave. Did you get something out of this teaching today and this preaching? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.